Welcome to David Gogo's Soul Bender podcast. A journey through the blues as seen through the hazy recollections from a life on the road. Hello again from Scott James over here and David Gogo over there. By the way, if you'd like to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. Got a question? Email soulbenderpodcast at gmail.com or hit the message button on Anchor and record away. Assuming it's not a boxer's or briefs query, we'll have an answer for you on a future episode. It's neither, by the way. Silk thong. And now that you cannot unsee that image inside your head, here we go with something somewhat different, the wacky stuff. Most of us have a bizarre story or two, but musicians tend to have entire shipping containers full of them, as we're about to find out right from the horse's mouth. So these are much more laid-back times than usual. I assume you've had plenty of time to reflect as you relax in your man dress on the porch of your go-go mountain manor sipping mint juleps. Yeah, you know, all this time off of the road, um, you know, as much as I miss playing music and seeing the folks, there's just some silly, silly things that happen, and uh, I've been getting a chance to kind of just think about those times as I'm uh, going through all this junk I've got in my my back room and my music room and sorting through all these boxes of memories and yeah, just getting flashbacks of some silliness. So uh, yeah, let's get to it. Okay, first, what's under the dunchie? What the deuce is all that about? So this is when I was first signed to a record company. I was signed to Capitol Records, EMI. And um, they wanted to get me known a little bit. And one of the things that happened was I somehow got on a, a tour to do some Euro- European dates uh, supporting the fabulous Thunderbirds, which was great. And I was still with uh, the Persuaders, the band does in when, when, when I got signed. And so <laughs> our first trip to Europe, I mean, we're just these young, dumb guys and... Uh, you know, we're we're making hardly any money. The record company's fronting some bucks. But we got to play at the Fabulous Thunderbirds, which was great because they were, you know, we played their music in our sets. And, uh, <laughs> but, so we asked for, I think we got fed at every gig, paid not much, but we also asked for a case of beer. So the case that they would give us was actually 24 beer. And in Holland and stuff, sometimes with those great big bottles of Grolsch. So we were drinking as much as we possibly could, and there's no way we could leave any at the venue. So next thing you know, we got this little tiny van, and it's pretty much half full of just beer. But we had a, a road manager, so that was cool, uh, a, a British fellow that was driving us around who absolutely hated us. He he hated us so much because uh, we were just these, uh, you know, beer-drinking, hockey-loving stupid Canadian boys. And in fact, I remember at one point, he actually pulled the van over to the side of the road. He just gets out and he's circling in a field, mumbling to himself. And I get out, his name's Kim McCarthy. I always call him Kim McCartney to piss him off. I go, Kim McCartney, what's what's wrong? And he says, is that all you can talk about? In this bloody van, drinking, is that all you can talk about? Is hockey, and as you refer to it, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> But it was all we could talk about. We were like twenty-one-year-old guys, but he, yeah, he didn't like it. But anyways, um, we had a drive day, or maybe it was two days, and we had to drive up to uh, England and and catch the ferry and everything. So um, I think from Germany to England. Um, so this axe player in the band decided we pulled over to get some fuel somewhere, and he he decided 
rather than spend his money, he was going to try to save as much as he possibly could and just eat super cheap. So he wasn't going to eat at restaurants. So he he bought a couple great big baguettes and a bunch of liverwurst. So in the in the van, he's just eating all this bread and and liverwurst. And um, we finally get to the ferry, and we get on, and and uh, they've got a cafe. So the rest of us are all starving, but he's he's pretty pretty much full of all the stuff he's bought at the gas station. But anyways, the the restaurant on the on the ferry was not really a buffet, but just kind of your choice. So you pick your main, and then you you take your sides. So the most expensive main being steak, and then chicken, and the cheapest was fish. So the base bear is first in line. So he puts a steak on his plate, but then he covers it in French fries and puts the, the piece of fish on top and a couple of vegetables. So I do the same. Drummer does the same. But the sax player is like, well, shit, I'm already full. But I guess he figured he wanted to get away with something, too. So he, had, he, got, he was going to get this pastry. It's called a dutchie. And he decided there was a piece of cheese available, so he, he hid this cheese under the duchy. That was his, instead of stealing a steak, I guess. So, bass player rings through, you know, fish and chips. Yep, great. I ring through fish and chips. Yep, ring through drummer fish and chips. Yep, rings through. And uh, the comes up and she goes, "Oh, are you just going to have the duchy?" And he goes, "Yep." And we're sitting at a table right by at the cashier, and the bass player looks. He goes, "Are you sure?" <laughs> And the woman looks at him and he goes, are you sure that that's all you have? Is it just the duchy? And so she has to say, looks at him in the eye and says, what's under the duchy? So he has to lift up this pastry to show this pathetic little piece of cheese that he's stealing. <laughs> so he gets humiliated, but he's looking at us like, do I rat out my buddies or or, or do I just, you know, what do I, so he, he had to take a hit for the, for the team right there. Oh, such a beautiful story. There's a word for people who do that, I think. Assholes. There you go. Uh, you probably spent a good part of your life in hotels, which can be pretty marvelous places story-wise. Oh, God, man. This one night, when my first album came out, and we were running a trio at the time, and um, it was the same bass player from Persuaders, but um, the drummer was a little older than us, so sometimes he wasn't getting quite caught up in the shenanigans with us. Um, I remember one time... We had driven, I think, from New York up to New York City up to Ottawa, and um, I believe we were opening for Colin James, but we we hadn't eaten in a long time. So it was a really bad snowstorm, and the truck was acting up, and we didn't have time to stop anywhere. So we kind of just directly went to the venue and played a set. I remember it was a really rocking set, um, and we tried to get some food. And you know, this this the venue they'd stopped serving food at that time, so we we got some kind of like a salad or something. I don't know. But I found out my buddy Tony D was playing downtown somewhere, so we we cut out, and he was hosting a jam, from what I remember. But by this time, you know, we're leaning pretty good into the old Chivas Regal, which is what we used to drink, and uh, hadn't eaten for about a day. So we're getting a little loose, and uh, <laughs> we get down to this jam, and we played a bit, and we still sounded good, you know, it was, it was all right, but we're just pouring back these like water glasses full of whiskey and uh eventually gets to the point where i'm talking to someone and one of the bouncers comes up and says hey that big guy he's with you right and i said yeah and he goes oh he's got to go so i look and the bass player's kind of just sitting on the the steps the front steps at the entrance of this place and he's just kind of you want this you know the spitting between his feet thing so you know that's not good news so you know and i'm not in much better shape but i managed to get a cab 
And I, you know, walk him into the cab, and he immediately falls asleep, starts snoring at the top of his lungs. Um, we get to the hotel, and uh, he's, you know, a big dude. It's kind of hard to get him out of the out of the taxi, but I managed to do so. And uh, we get in the elevator. As soon as the, luckily it's just him and I. And as soon as the elevator door closes, he pukes uh, <laughs> under the floor of the elevator. And then he looks at me. He gives me this childlike little grin, and he goes, "I spit up." <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, but we're just getting started. So get up to the room. I had my own room that night. I forget how it happened, but he was rooming with the drummer. So I knock on the drum, the hotel room door. <laughs> the drummer answers. He's wearing like a robe, and he's got a. He's actually smoking a pipe. Yeah, you know, like bringing him home to dad or something. Bringing home the drunk teenager to dad, and I go, "Here you go." And he literally he just falls flat, face first onto the ground. So I go back to my room and I'm I'm ready to pass out when I do, but around five thirty or six in the morning I hear this kerfuffle out in the out in the hallway. I'm like, what the hell's going on? It's pretty noisy out there. And then I recognize the bass player's voice. So, what the, so I quickly like throw my pants on and go out and I open the door, and <laughs> I just see a cot with a pillow on it. And there's our bass player, completely naked, but just wrapped in a sheet, a single sheet. And there's like these confused chambermaids. There's some business guys with briefcases. You know, they got to go to work early, go to these meetings on Capitol Hill or whatever. <laughs> and the bass player, they're, they're going, what room are you in? He goes, I don't even know what fucking hotel I'm at, you know? <laughs> and I, I, so I, I, I go, Kim, come in my room. Just come in my room real, real quick. But I guess he was snoring so loud and the drummer just had enough of that horse shit. And uh, yeah, ordered up a cot that night and... And put him out in the hallway. <laughs> He's naked with a single sheet, and uh, yeah, fun times, fun times. Uh, the bass player must have been kind of choked with the drummer. Was there some fallout there? Well, we had a, a long tour, and um, there was a lot of things kind of fucking up in the record company at the time. And uh, you know, we were getting some airplay in Scandinavia, but instead they had us touring in America. But the record company all of a sudden decided they weren't going to release the album in America. I've I've covered this before, but just you know, and that, and that's a lot of miles and a lot of shows on the road. And um, <clears throat> so yeah, I know the bass player had it in the back of his mind. He's going to get this drummer back somehow. So <clears throat> by the time we got out to Vancouver, we were going to film this video. For some reason, back then, I guess that was the thing to do, early 90s. But um, we were up all night. We, we filmed at the um, Vogue Theater in Vancouver, and it was a, a night shoot. And it was, you know, it's a, it's a lot of hurry up and wait shooting a video. So uh, once again, the whiskey bottle's getting passed around. And um, we got back to the hotel and for some reason the drummer still still hadn't made it i don't know but we were all kind of giving her <laughs> but it was early enough in the morning or late enough at night whatever you know your choice um that the chambermaid once again the chambermaid had her uh her cart out in the hallway and so and this is kind of a nice hotel they're putting us up at and uh, it's one of these things where they do a turnover service so they put a a lovely chocolate on your pillow uh when they change the bedding and so the bass player decided it would be a good idea to take like an entire box of these chocolates and pour them into the drummer's bed under his sheets and under the quilt <laughs> before he got home. So when he did get home, I guess he just climbed in and he was rather refreshed and didn't notice. And then when it came time for a lobby call, the, the bass player's up. He's like, hey, man, come on. You got to get up. You got to get up. We got to go. We're going to be late. And he 
peels, you know, he feels uncomfortable and he peels back the sheets. Well, of course, he's been sleeping in all this chocolate all night and sweating, <laughs> but he thinks he's pooped to bed. <laughs> <laughs> So he's rather sheepish to get up, and and I think I wasn't there. I wasn't in the room. I didn't get to see that. And I mean, God, the poor cleaning staff. I apologize all those years later. But um, I think the bass player actually went up and pulled the sheets back, and then like stuck his finger in it and had a taste or something, oh. just just to make it even worse. <laughs> but uh, I think I think the drummer was pretty mad, pretty angry about that, if I recall. That's a long time ago. Now, some people have no sense of humor. Here comes the Soulbender podcast theme song, which just happens to be all about drinking and shenanigans and hijinks and ingredients in a lot of boozes. Sulfite Boogie.
Sulfite Boogie is from David Gogo's 15th studio album, 17 Vultures. How did you come up with that one? Well, that was after a big rock and roll dinner up on Gogo Mountain. I haven't been able to hold any of those in a while, but uh, it's always nice. It was, I had a couple fellas that, you know, are fellow musicians. And if, if sometimes I get the opportunity, it's nice when guys are on the road to get to come up. I like to cook them a nice dinner, but there's always plenty of wine going on. So. Yeah, that's a story I won't share on the podcast. Yeah, loose lips sink ships. You were talking about the band traveling in a confined space in a wee van. I remember a few months ago when that was actually possible. What was that like? Well, that's the reality of you know making a living in the in the music business now. You know, record sales are are, are tough to get because there's no records. Um, so you got to go out on the road, and yeah, for as much as you know, for the for the hour or two you're on stage, it's 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 tremendous, but. Um, the other stuff can get a little tedious, and um, <clears throat> you never know. But I remember one time, we were doing quite a bit of touring in Western Canada, <clears throat> and um, I had this big gray van at the time, and it was pretty good, you know, one of those longer size vans, and we had a metal cage in the back, so we couldn't get, you know, people couldn't rip our gear off. But man, it's a lot of miles, <clears throat> you know, touring in Canada, that's why the European agents love it when we come over to Holland and places like that, because, you know, Canadian guys think nothing about jumping in the van for 10 hours or something. But... <clears throat> Um, I had this mechanic, Dale. He was the best. And, you know, when you're putting that many miles on, you got to have a good mechanic for your vehicle. And it's not like, you know, I'm I'm not touring around in, in, the, in the beautiful um, Prevo tour buses and everything, man. This is Ford Econoline, baby. Um, but one time we came off the road and I got Dale just to, you know, give it an oil change and have a look. And he says, you know, there's, you've got some kind of a fluid leak happening um, but I've gone going through the engine. I don't see any leaks. I'm checking all the pipes and everything, and I'm not see. You know, there's there's nothing too evident. He says, but you've got a bunch of corrosion. It's starting to eat the paint off the side of the passenger side of your van. It goes starts starts near like the passenger door. So it's you know he's trying to figure out what it was. Well, I figured out what it was right away. Is that the keyboard player in our band was vomiting. So frequently, every time we went on a road trip, <laughs> out of the out of the passenger side, just rolling the window down because we've got to get on the road, and he's puking out the window so often it's actually burning the goddamn paint off the side of my van. Oh. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> oh. But it seemed like every weekend we'd have to do we'd have to get the bass player over. We could you know you can't wake the guy up. He's he's gone to bed about an hour before we're supposed to meet in the lobby. Uh, passed out completely hammered and um, so the bass player would have to lift his mattress you know and to roll him out onto the floor wake him up you know and then we're all going to be late because it takes him you know forever to sh- he wants to have a shower and stuff and then of course as soon as we get in he's like you got to pull over well we don't have time to pull over so he's just constantly vomiting Lovely. Sounds like hurdlers were following you everywhere you went. Oh goodness gracious this is one of these times you know we're playing a, a, a festival, and they've put us up in these these lovely suites, hotel suites. Um, you know, a pretty pretty posh place. And um, so there's a big living area, and then a couple bedrooms uh, for everyone. Uh, lovely. So we had a couple of those for the band. So we do our set, great set, and um, this time we're in Quebec. But close to Ontario. So some of the people we know had come up for this festival, so we invited some of them to our room afterwards to party. So <clears throat> once again, we're giving her pretty good. 
and uh, the drummer's brother had brought a girl up, and um, she's sitting at the at this dining room table. So it's a pretty long table. It's probably seven, eight feet long. Sitting at the end of the table, and I guess she just it's not looking good. So the keyboard player comes up and asks her. He says, "Are you are you all right? Are you okay?" And you look kind of funny. She goes, "Oh, I don't know." And he goes, "Well, maybe I'll get you a glass of water." She says, "Oh, yes, yes, please." So he gets her a glass of water and he brings it back. She takes a sip and then just blah, <laughs> just pukes over the entire table. So it's the seven foot long table, just covered in puke. Whoa. Which was um, that was the signal for me to kind of step out on the balcony with my drink, and so like. <laughs> We all go step on this little tiny balcony of the drinks, and no one wants to deal with this. So this poor guy's running around. It's his girlfriend, and he goes to try to help, you know, try to clean it up. But all of a sudden, it, the puke makes him puke. He smells the puke, so he's got to run to the sink. So he's puking. Keeper player's girlfriend at the time, luckily, was a trooper, and she just had to go in and just, uh, uh, just grit her teeth, <laughs> clean that thing up. But of course, we're a bunch of chicken shit, so we're all sitting out in the balcony, having our drinks and. Um, Finally, some of them, someone says, I really got to pee, but I don't want to go in there till the puke smell's gone. And then the bass player goes, well, just do what I'm doing. And I look, and he's he's kind of pissing between the grates of this balcony <laughs> into the into the eaves <laughs> And I was looking at the situation, and I thought, you know, the regular people that rent a place like this, that can afford to go to a place like <laughs> this, I don't think they're just randomly vomiting on the furniture and... Publicly urinating into the uh, the eaves troughs. <laughs> well, unless they're regular people in a band. Uh, I, you had some wallet trouble that weekend, as I recall. Yeah, it was one of those crazy summers where I was flying back and forth cl- across the country and playing the two different bands and then doing some solo shows and not a, not a second to rest. And um, <laughs> so finally, after the last set and tearing down, it was, it was one of these things where I had to play three gigs that day or something. I remember walking up to my hotel room, and I really had to pee. And I get there, but the the lobby door's locked, and I'm trying to get a hold of And there's some, you know, oh, you have to go to this other hotel, which is about three blocks away, and get a pass or something. You know, just one of those things when, you, when you're busy and <clears throat> you lose track of time. And But, I mean, I really had to pee, so I'm like, God damn. So I kind of pull over behind a tree on the sidewalk there, and, you know, it's at the point I'm almost, almost going to pee in my pants. So I kind of open my pants as fast as I can and just, you know, oh, wow, great. Okay. Finish up. Um, go up to this other hotel, get the goddamn pass key, go down to my actual hotel, sleep for a couple hours, get up and have a quick shower and I've got to catch another flight, but I can't find my wallet. I mean, I cannot find it anywhere. So I'm tearing my room apart. I'm phoning the guys. Like, I, I'll be right down here. I can't find my wallet. And finally, I just think, okay, retrace your steps. So this is like eight in the morning or something, and it's a kind of a resort place. There's people walking around, and I, so I go down the sidewalk, and I look, and I can just see, like kind of slightly underneath the tree that I was peeing behind the night before. There's my wallet, and it looks like George Costanza's wallet, you know, because it was just <laughs> stuffed full of. I've been on the road for a couple of weeks, all these receipts, and everything else, but also it. I had about eh, probably five or six thousand dollars cash Ooh. in there. Plus the checks from the other festivals, so probably probably around ten grand, plus all my ID and all that kind of stuff. So wow, lucky Chucky <laughs> managed to grab it, run down to the van, and I even made my flight. Wouldn't that have been something? No ID to fly, all the cash gone by the summer. Such is the topsy turvy world. <laughs> <laughs> 
of rock and roll. That is correct, sir. By the way, Lucky Chucky's right. I need you to buy me a couple of lottery tickets. What do you have up your man dress sleeve for next time? Uh, I think the next one will be um, on tour with George Thorogood. Ooh, I look forward to possibly hearing more hurling stories. If you have a question for David, let's put it and some sort of answer in a future episode. You can hit the message button on the Anchor Podcast page and fire us a recording or email soulbenderpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Scott James. He's David Gogo. Thank you and be safe. This has been David Gogo's Soulbender Podcast. To stay up to date, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Mm-hmm.